We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. Can't tell from my voice, the Lakers found a way once again to lose to the Clippers in crunch time. We're not able to execute. We're not able to get the job done. Ultimately falling by a final score of 105 to 102. Lakers Nation, my goodness, if you're still watching by this point, I commend you. It's frustrating, certainly, seeing what this Lakers team has put their fans through this season. Been a, a tough one, absolutely, in this game was a microcosm, I think, of all of it. We're going to break it down, painful as it may be. I'll also be taking your questions and comments coming in from YouTube. <laughs> Somebody said, Trevor sounds so deflating, just kind of how we all feel. Hey, I'm right there with you all. You know, I, I really have. Like I said, I, I live and die with the Lakers, just like all of you guys do. I grew up with the Lakers. This has been my team from day one. So I feel it too when they when they leave, there's when they lose. There's no question there. But welcome in. If you're coming in from YouTube, you're coming in from Facebook, coming in from Twitter, at the very least, we will get through this together. We'll talk out what just happened and why. And oh my, we've got a lot. We've got a lot to get into here for this one. Uh, Big Meech from YouTube, the super chat said, I don't want to hear nothing else about LeBron being the goat. His six turnovers and lack of effort sickens me. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some anti-LeBron takes out there today. Lakers grew said Lakers lost because of stars. Didn't expect that from LeBron. And this was another game. And we saw this in a recent performance too, uh, particularly against the Warriors where the Lakers as a team picked things up and played with a lot of energy, but LeBron wasn't really good down the stretch. And that was against Golden State. And then this one, this wasn't a great LeBron performance, at least not compared to what we've expected from him. Now, maybe he's running out of gas for a long season. Again, I said this when they lost to the Warriors. LeBron, LeBron has been great all season. He's been fantastic. Um, I've been saying for a while now that LeBron would be in the MVP discussion right now if the Lakers were, I don't know, like the two seed or something like that in the West. LeBron would be right in the thick of the MVP discussion. He did not look like it tonight. LeBron on the night, six for 18, shooting two for eight from three, 11 boards, three assists, one steal, one block, 21 points. And the people are mentioning the the effort 
there were moments where LeBron looked visibly frustrated, where he looked frustrated by his teammates, by things that were happening, particularly in the first half of the game. So, and somebody said LeBron looked tired uh, with no legs. Yeah, that's that was certainly a difficult performance from him. But again, I try to fall back on, I know we expect LeBron to just be up here all the time. And he's been really good this season. So I, I have trouble just saying, oh, he lost this game for him because he wasn't in God mode or whatever, just didn't take it to that next level. But he didn't have what he typically has. In fact, if you get an average LeBron game, this is a win for the Lakers. I think that's pretty, pretty clear. An average LeBron game results in a win for the Lakers, and we didn't get that tonight. But again, it wasn't just him. It's it, Again, I said this was a microcosm of the Lakers' season. And it's not just, by the way, Matt the Optimist Peralta just said he's going to just text me and said he's in for Sunday's post game. So maybe he can bring us a little good luck. He's going to reverse that. Uh, he's going to bring the optimism. But this game was a microcosm of the Lakers' season in that you got this performance out of LeBron that was not good, while the rest of the team kind of picked things up a little bit to a degree. We saw that against the Warriors too, where you just couldn't quite get everybody pulling in the same direction. They get close and just never get over the hump. That's just what we've seen from this team from day one. Um, they find ways to battle back. People call it the fake comeback. They find their way to battle back into, into games. They were down by 16 at one point in this one. They battle their way back. They were actually up five late in the fourth and then still just can't figure out how to close things out and get it done. Um, that's And that's what we've seen for the season. And that's certainly what we saw tonight as well. All right, let me see what we've got coming in here. Some of your super chats and things like that. We will get through this together. Kyle Roberts, do they not practice late game scenarios? I don't think we've seen a set play ran on the last shot all year long. What we've seen on the last shot all year long, literally going back to the beginning of the season, is the last shot being a long three or a long two. That's what we've seen. We've seen jumpers on the last shot almost every every time the Lakers have been in that in that situation. And that's what we saw. That's what we saw in this one too. And I know it's frustrating. Um, there were a few things about the last play. And I know we can tend to get wrapped up in the, in the final possession of the game. But I do want to get into that. And I also want to explain why I think it's actually okay in this game to dwell on the ultimate outcome because I think it's reflective of what we saw earlier in the game. Usually I'm a process guy. Usually I'm saying, okay, the, the process by which they got to that shot was okay. So even though they missed long-term, that's going to give you success. If you continue that process and you get to that shot or this game, they lost. We talked about this with the Warriors, this game, they lost, but process wise, energy wise, they did good things. If they continue playing this way, good things are going to happen. They just happened to lose that one. This was one where we saw the Lakers finally pick it up in the second half and get going. And then down the stretch, they went, they devolved all the stuff that they were doing to get the lead. They kind of let go of and devolved into ISO ball down the home stretch, which drives me crazy when teams do that, by the way, they go away from what got them the lead to begin with and start worrying about trying to run, run the clock and that sort of thing. And usually you wind up letting your opponent back in the game. And that was certainly the case with the Lakers tonight. And then the final possession the Lakers call a timeout, but rather than running something, really, it was just give the ball to LeBron, wait until the Clippers commit, and then he was going to try to pass out of that. But LeBron waited way too. I, I'm assuming most of you were probably doing the same thing I was. 
um, I was as I as he's standing up there, I'm saying, "Go, go!" I'm I'm look. There's no my dog is next to me, and I'm looking at my dog and saying, "What's he doing?" Uh, 16 seconds on the clock, and LeBron's dribbling the clock out, dribbling the clock. They're behind. He's dribbling the clock out as though they've got the lead or as though it's a tie game and you're trying to hold for the last shot. You have to go. You have to go right away so that if you miss, then you can foul and you still have time to come down and set up a three-point shot. That was part of the problem down the stretch for the Lakers. They only had two seconds because LeBron dribbled out the clock, which is just, I mean, that's a a silly mistake. Now, the Clippers committed a silly mistake right before that, throwing the ball into the backcourt when they were already at seven seconds burned and they committed a turnover there and gave the ball back to the Lakers and the Lakers pretty much said, no, thank you. We're not going to do smart things on the offensive end either. They call a timeout to set something up and then really don't run anything ends up being a 35 foot three from Carmelo Anthony. That there's no way that was the play. There's no way that was the plan. At least I would hope that should not have been the play for the Lakers to close out the game especially when you're firing a Carmelo Anthony, who's not great putting the ball on the floor. In terms of a spot-up shooter, sure, you'll live with that. But firing the ball out to Carmelo Anthony, defender up on him, 35 feet from the basket, thats it's screaming for you to put the ball on the floor and attack the rim. You had enough time on the clock to do it. But again, that was that was from that was the ball going to Melo. Um, people are saying worst shot was to... Um, worst shot was going to Russ... Yeah, that was the other thing. If Russell Westbrook, I don't know why he was on the floor in that final possession, if he's not going to be part of the play, he's not going to draw any defenders or anything. So if the if the play is just going to be give it to LeBron and clear out, that's fi- that's okay. But then put all players on the floor who could at least be a threat from behind the arc and will be covered. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense to have Westbrook on the court. So there was a lot about that final play that really just didn't make any sense from the Lakers' perspective, and it, both in terms of LeBron waiting so long to trigger the play, the play itself, that being your your final look, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And that was, again, indicative of what we've seen from this Lakers season, where things just fall apart at the worst possible time for them. All right, let me get into a few more of your Super Chats here. See what we've got. Uh, Timothy Lovas, Monk has been struggling from deep lately. Why put Dwight out? Stupid shot by Mello. Yeah, Monk Monk definitely seemed like he was a bit more hesitant to shoot in this game. And I think part of that was the team. The team, what, they started off 0 for 10, 0 for 11, something like that from three, and then LeBron finally hit one. Monk, it felt like, got wrapped up in that. So we didn't see the confident shooting from Malik Monk. 0 for 4 from three tonight, six assists, seven seven points. Three of nine shooting overall wasn't a great performance from him. And I wonder how much of that is getting put back to the bench. I was a bit surprised when the starting lineup came out and Malik Monk was not in it. I I liked Austin Reeves being in there. I thought that made quite a bit of sense. But putting Monk back to the bench, it seems like that kills his rhythm. So you need his offensive firepower. I don't think moving Monk back to the bench was the great move there. Uh, He definitely had an off game, as some people are mentioning in the chat right now. (laughs) Brandon said, LeBron needs a week off. Just got back from the All-Star break, but unfortunately he had to play in the All-Star game. John Parasol said, Monk had a positive plus minus. Yeah, again, he was plus seven, which that's that's fine, but three for nine and 0 for four from deep, that's not what we've become accustomed to from Malik Monk, even if he was a net positive in terms of plus minus. Sometimes that can be a bit of a misleading stat. All right, let me see what else we've got here. 
Brody Merlot, why was Monk not subbed in at the end for Russ or AR-15? Again, I agree. I think it should have been Monk in the game for Russ because at least he has to be defended. And then maybe that creates a little bit more space on the final play. The, the Clippers basically just walled off the floor, sent everybody at LeBron. LeBron tried to kick out of it to Melo. And, the, and that was pretty much the game because you had Melo shooting a 35-foot three, kind of fading away a little bit, which isn't really what you want there on that final possession. Again, I... I would love to see the team run something. Uh, even if it's to run something for LeBron, that's fine if you want to put the ball in LeBron's hands, and you should. He's one of the best players ever. But run something. Run something other than just give the ball to LeBron and, and let's clear everybody out. Because you can't clear people out if you don't have shooters on the floor. The other team's going to go, oh, you're spreading the floor? Cool. Well, I don't I don't care about Russell Westbrook behind the three-point line, so we're just going to go double LeBron. Uh, Subio Perez. The last minute, nobody could drive to the basket because the Lakers had three non-shooters. The last minute executions on Vogel. LeBron didn't play well. You know what? This is... When we look back and we see the Clippers, we see the Clippers, we see their offensive execution, we see the hustle on the defensive end, how much of that do you chalk up to Ty Lue? How much of that do we chalk up to, to Ty Lue and his coaching how much credit does he get for that? And then we have to go back and remember the Lakers could have had Ty Lue. All they had to do was offer him a fourth year. They said, no, we only want to do three years. They wanted to tie the length of the contract to the length of LeBron's contract. And they weren't willing to do that fourth year. And ultimately that cost them Ty Lue. I could say this though. It's not just Frank Vogel. Trying to think back. When's the last time the Lakers had a good offense? Even the championship year, their offense wasn't great. Their offense was largely give the ball to LeBron, give the ball to AD, figure things out, be really, really good defensively, get in transition. That was their offense during the title year in 2020. When was the last time they had a good offense? It's not just Bogle. It's It's been a while. It's been quite a while since the Lakers have had a good offense. Somebody said, bye-bye, play-in tourney. It, so that's the thing. That was why. That's why this was such a big deal. I put this in the title is this was a must win game for the Lakers because they were trying to catch the Clippers for the eighth seed. They could have made up a lot of ground. They were a game and a half back. They could have been half a game back had they just taken care of business in this one. And again, they had a five point lead late, found a way to lose it once again. And now they are two and a half games back of the Clippers. Again, that's, that's not insurmountable. You could make that up, but you're going to need help. You're going to need the Clippers to lose some games. And so... It's uh, it, it, they really hurt themselves with this one. They have shot themselves in the foot, but again, that's par for the course on the season. That's what they've done. They've shot themselves in the foot quite a bit this season, and they did it again tonight, and they've done it again in the standings now because of it. All right, let's see what else we've got coming in. Got a super chat from Gian Mercado. Said, Melo's technical was the turning point, I think. Ruined our momentum. Yeah, you know, that certainly was frustrating, wasn't it? The Lakers are down one at the end of the game, and you can't help but think Carmelo Anthony needlessly picking up a technical foul gave a point to the Clippers. Should have been a tie game at that point. Where dribbling out the clock is totally fine. If, if the game's tied, then yes, dribble out the clock. Take the last shot. But that, that tech, uh, and it was probably bigger than just that because it did turn the momentum a little bit. Gave the Clippers essentially three points because you already had a guy shooting free throws. Uh, it was Hartenstein, and they're questionable whether he should have been shooting free throws in that scenario. But he was shooting free throws, and then you pick up a tech, so that gives them three free throws on that play. Essentially gives three points to the Clippers. 
certainly a, a turning point there. Just as the Austin Reeves incredible block on Reggie Jackson was a turning point for the Lakers in terms of momentum, that Mellow Tech felt like it was a turning point going the other direction. Uh, again, just we've seen it all season. This team just can't seem to get out of their own way to get the wins that they need to. Hulk smash, absolutely trash garbage. Can't communicate on switches, terrible offense. Defense is so garbage. Mellow shot is absolutely stupid. <laughs> I hate this team. Look, Carmelo Anthony on the season has been one of the Lakers' best three-point shooters. And tonight he was four for nine from three. That's that's perfectly fine in terms of percentages. Seven of 14 shooting, five boards, two steals, one block, 18 points. He missed that last one. And so obviously that's, that's loud. That's loud. But, um, you know, I understand why you want Melo on the floor on that last possession. I think you absolutely want him on the floor for the last possession. You need his spacing. But if you recognize that you need Melo's spacing, well, you probably need other players who can space the floor as well on the offensive end. And they didn't go that route. Instead, we saw, I believe it was THT out there as well as Russ. They're not going to get a lot of respect behind the arc and have players glued to them, not quite like a Malik Monk would. So that was certainly a frustrating moment there from the, for Lakers fans. And so I understand that I actually thought Melo did okay tonight in this one. Again, the shooting wasn't bad, got better in the second half. He looked a little rusty, but we have to remember he hasn't played in an, in an NBA game since the beginning of the month because he was hurt. And then we had the all-star break. So it was February 3rd was his last game. So you had to expect a little bit of rust from Melo. Um, so I, I'm not going to fault him too much on this. Vector Nova. For the, with the super chat said that was so frustrating both on Vogel's planning and Carmelo's shot Carmelo especially because literally THT was open in the corner Westbrook was down there fighting with Reggie who's fighting his way to THT THT was hot too yeah I mean the swing pass to THT in hindsight we can probably say right now would have been the better move but let me ask you this let's say he swings at the THT and THT takes a dribble and, and attacks and doesn't score or shoots that three and doesn't hit it are we then questioning why Melo, one of the team's best three-point shooters, didn't just step in and take the shot himself? Maybe, maybe, right? Hindsight's 2020. But yes, in the moment, as the play was developing, I was and when LeBron threw that pass, I thought one more, one more, one more, meaning Melo needs to make that one more, make that extra pass. I thought that was what needed to happen on the play. But again, had it played out that way and THT not scored. I think we'd also be looking back saying, why did Melo pass that ball? Why didn't he try to make something happen himself? So hindsight can be 2020 sometimes, but I agree. Hey, it's certainly frustrating. Sean Tate, Vogel against good coaches shows he's not top tier. So during the, during the title season, he showed that he can make some, some top tier adjustments, but that was when he had a team that was really, built for his particular skill set. We talk about player skill sets all the time. We talk about whether or not a team is really fitting together in terms of the skill sets that they've got. And, and this Lakers team doesn't fit skill set wise in terms of the guys that they've got on the roster. But maybe we don't spend enough time talking about whether or not the skill sets actually fit the coach. And in this case, Frank Vogel has a lot of guys individually who aren't really good defenders. And that's what he does is he's a good defensive coach, not so much on the offensive end. So that's why during the title season, you saw Frank Vogel really shine. He made smart adjustments, especially on the defensive end of the floor, because he had good defensive players who could do the things that he wanted them to do and could make up for any kind of shortcomings they had. He doesn't have that this year. And so now you're seeing more of the flaws in Frank Vogel as a coach than you did in previous seasons 
in part because the team isn't really structured to his skill set. And this is why, again, I would be shocked. I would be shocked if we saw Frank Vogel back next season. And that's not because he's blameless. That's not because all the blame should be placed on him. You know, somebody made a tweet. I think it was Damon Rangula made a tweet earlier today, tweeted out, said something to the effect of the crazy thing about this Lakers season is you could say, you could point a finger at so many different things and say, this is why the Lakers lost, or this is this has been a problem this season, or this is what I want to blame for the season, and not really be wrong. Like, if you want to blame, you could blame the front office, you could blame Genie, you could blame Rob Palenka, you could blame Vogel, you could blame bad luck, you could blame injuries, you could blame health and safety protocols, you could blame uh, LeBron, you could blame Russell Westbrook, you could blame, you could blame a lot of things this season, and not be wrong because they all share a piece of the of the blame pie here, as it were, if we're going Cam Brothers style. So that's the that's the Lakers season in a nutshell. A lot of things have gone wrong, and there's a lot of reasons why those things have gone wrong. Guru, worst shot from Mello, easy pass to Russell available. Yeah, I mean, clock was winding down. That's it's in crunch time and all that, but Again, I, I thought a pass was the better read there, but it's Carmelo Anthony. Are we surprised that Carmelo Anthony got the ball and, and shot? I mean, that's what he's done all season. That's what Carmelo Anthony is, right? He shoots. That's what he does. Lords of the Sky. It hurts to lose a game like this, especially when our other guys stepped up and played well. Why would Melo take that shot? I mean, the clock was winding down. In the moment, it's easy to second guess it. In the moment... I, I wonder if he was questioning how much time was really left on the clock. I'm sure in Mello's mind, he's thinking we got to get this shot up quick so we can foul in case we miss. That had to be part of the decision-making there. But in any event, regardless, a 35-foot-3 is not what you needed in that scenario. And that's what the Lakers got. That's what the Lakers got. And that is certainly not what they needed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Sherpa Dog, is it disrespectful to view Vogel as David Blatt? I mean, Vogel did win a championship and I mean, look... I get it. I get the comparisons and all that, but I think Vogel is still a very good defensive coach. Like, look at it this way. If Frank Vogel was your team's defensive coach, right? If he's like your defensive assistant coach, all right, 
you're probably in pretty good shape. You know you've got a really sal solid defensive mind as your coach. Now, I can also say from the media perspective, Frank Vogel does a tremendous job managing the media, taking questions, diffusing them, not turning them into anything bigger. That is important to the Lakers. That's important to their franchise, to their brand. I'm not saying that's the reason why you should hire a coach, but he manages situations very, very well. Manages the players, how he interacts with them very, very well. So all of that is certainly important, but I think we're seeing Frank Vogel was given a team full of offensive players for the most part, and it just never really turned into any kind of a cohesive off offense. And that's always kind of been the flaw with Frank Vogel is you don't get a, a super efficient offense out of him. And that's a problem when you've got a team that was kind of built to be more of an offensive team. The Mutualists, you guys should do a video where you would pretend we're in an alternate timeline where the Lakers stood pat at the offseason and signed Monk and Mello. That team would look pretty good right now. I can tell that. That team would look pretty good. Let's see what else we've got coming in here. By the way, guys, obviously, obviously, no, <laughs> no 360 award in this one. Uh, Russell Westbrook, he was okay. I thought you really needed a top tier Russ and you got 18 points, three boards, one assist, one steal, nine to 21, uh, no turnovers. I didn't think Russ was bad. I just didn't think he was great either. He was, he was solid. It was solid tonight. Not good, not bad, just solid. Uh, LeBron, I thought was not great. So I am not going to, uh, I'm not going to give out 360 award on this one, but we do need to do the next man up and you guys know where I'm going on this one. So next man up award, I shouldn't even have to throw it to you guys. Cause you know who it is. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Who is it? Oh, I've got somebody asking already. You already know Josh Weeks. Can we talk about Dwight? Where would the Lakers have been without Dwight in this game? Dwight Howard, 16 rebounds, three blocks, 14 points, seven of them were on the offensive end. In fact, Dwight had a double-double by the second quarter. Dwight was monstrous. He had, I think it was five or six offensive rebounds in the first, like, five or six minutes of the game. The Lakers were putrid shooting the basketball. They, found, they finished the, the game shooting 26% from three, and that's with me rounding up. Terrible. Oh, for the first 11 or whatever, but Dwight was gobbling up the offensive boards. He was a factor. Played 26 minutes in this one. And personally, I think the reason why Ty Lue left Isaiah Hartenstein in is because the Lakers weren't playing Dwight against him because Hartenstein does a lot of stuff on the perimeter. He didn't go back to Zubats because Zubats going in would mean Dwight also comes in. And Dwight was making an impact in there uh, against the Clippers. I think ultimately Dwight was so good that Ty Lue wanted to make sure Dwight couldn't be on the floor. And so he didn't go back to his starting center, which was smart by Ty Lue to do that because he knew Vogel wasn't going to put Dwight in against him. If I'm Frank Vogel, Dwight was playing so well, though. I almost wonder if you just find a way. You just try to find a way and you live with it and you put him in because he had he was fantastic. This was probably Dwight's best game of the season. He was tremendous. And man, tough. Tough when you have such a great performance out of Dwight, you get this kind of outing from him and you still don't find a way to pick up the win. Again, Dwight did play 26 minutes, but Dwight played 26 minutes, only committed two fouls and had three blocks. That's a great outing out of him. Man, great ball. Great, great ball game from Dwight Howard and wish the Lakers could have gotten a win because of it. All right, let me see what else we got. So Dwight, very deserving of the next man up. 
for sure. Tony, I think this team needs to fire Vogel. In the end, this team needs a jolt. Why keep Vogel towards the end of the season? I prefer Phil Handy. You know, Tony, I don't disagree. And here's the thing. Like, I've, you guys know. If you've been listening to the show, if you've been watching the show for a while, you know that in general, I don't dislike Frank Vogel all that much. The offense doesn't always work. The offense can be clunky. But I also respect what he is as a defensive mind. And I think that that's important. I think it doesn't fit with this team. So in that case, I think that, in a sense, Frank Vogel got a bit of a raw deal this season, right? The Lakers pretty much went out and signed all these guys who don't really play a lot of defense, individually aren't good defenders, gave them to Frank Vogel and said, well, you're a good defensive coach, figure it out. That's a tough spot for a coach to be in. Plus, they only gave him a one-year contract extension, which isn't exactly a vote of confidence. But Tony mentions, Tony mentions, why stick with Frank Vogel down the stretch? And I think that's, at this point, it's a fair question. It's a fair question because let's assume at this point that this season, it's a wash, right? This is done. Okay. Fight hard all the way through. See what you've got though. Find out, get experience to Austin Reeves, get experience for Stanley Johnson, get experience for, for Malik Monk, for any of the younger guys, right? Get those guys experience because you're going to need that next season. If you're going to hope to reboot this thing next season, and we already heard, we already heard today. Today, Adrian Wojnarowski said that LeBron is still on board. LeBron isn't planning on leaving the Lakers. But what the Lakers want to do is use some of their trade chips, THT, first-round picks, Russell Westbrook's expiring, make some big moves this summer. Okay, great. Don't you also need to know what you've got, though? And that includes the coaching spot. Isn't this, and people saying Fizdale's a better option right now. Okay. Regardless, if you're looking at potentially replacing Frank Vogel next season, which I feel like is probably a certainty right now. And this season, you know, you don't have it. Let's be real. You know, you don't have it this season. Wouldn't it make sense to find out what Phil Handy is as a head coach? And I know some people mentioned Fisdale in here. We've seen David Fisdale as a head coach. We have an idea of what that looks like. We don't know what Phil Handy as a head coach looks like. Could that be valuable? Could it cost you some wins down the stretch? Maybe. Does that does that matter all that much at this point? Yeah, probably not. Maybe you find out that that he's not the guy. Maybe you find out that he's just that's not what you want. But wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you like to have some certainty? Why not give him a tryout for the remainder of the season? And there's arguments you can make against that in terms of continuity and making sure that the team, you know, finishes what they've been been pushing towards and all that kind of stuff, right? Frank Vogel won a championship. Do you really want to dismiss him in the middle of the season, right? There's lots of things. There's lots of things that will come into play. But to me, if you're the Lakers and your focus is now on building the best team you can for next season, which means someone else at the helm, would it hurt to have a little bit of knowledge in terms of what Phil Handy as a head coach looks like? Might be worth a shot. Might be worth a shot. Gerardo V said, you lose credibility when you defend this team. When did I defend this team? I think, I, I think you guys have seen from the beginning. I haven't been too too pleased with what we saw here. Um, and again, this has been, it's been a rough season. And this was another example. I mean, look at the title I put in. This is another example of the Lakers finding a way to lose a game. And it's certainly frustrating to watch when... It feels like they're about to turn the corner. Then nope, nope, nope. 
we're going to make a series of mistakes. We're going to do this, this, and this. We're going to go away from what was working and we're going to find a way to lose a game yet again. So I don't think I've defended the Lakers tonight. If I gave that impression, that was a mistake. Um, let's see. Wow. One said saw an ESPN stat. We are second in the entire league in losing in the final five minutes when the score is within five points. Why can't we close games again? We see this team time in and time out, just find ways to make boneheaded mistakes. Some of that certainly is on the, is on the coaching. Some of that is on the roster fit. Perhaps there's a little bit of, of the yips in here where the Lakers have over the course of the season, they've continued to do this. And there's gotta be that sense of, Oh no, that dread. Oh no, not again. We're going to do this again. That's, that's gotta be in the back of their minds. I wonder how much confidence is an issue there, but in any event, it's if, if that stat is correct, it sounds about right. It's what we've seen from them this season. They have not been able to close games. Uh, Dre Johnson, if LeBron wanted him gone, I think Vogel would be perhaps, perhaps, although we did see the Lakers push back against, you know, LeBron wanting moves at the trade deadline. The Lakers said, no, we're not going to do that right now, which again, we've gone over that a bunch. Why that makes sense. Why the Lakers uh, maybe didn't want to do a deal at the trade deadline. Why they'd rather keep some of their powder dry for the summer. There's an argument to be made for that, but I don't know that the Lakers do everything LeBron says. Like, I don't know if LeBron can just walk in throughout Blinka's office and say, I want Vogel gone. And just that's it. He's gone. I think the Lakers as a front office have to sit in and discuss and figure that out from there. <laughs> Somebody said, we need duds. I do wonder, like the chemistry on this team isn't clearly on the same level as the championship team. How much of it is losing that influence in the locker room that a guy like Dudley brought? And remember, LeBron wanted him back. Anthony Davis wanted him back. The Lakers said, no, we're moving on. Sean Tate, Stanley Johnson is drastically overrated. I thought Stanley Johnson got put into some weird positions in this game. Uh, 0 for 2 tonight, 14 minutes. Didn't get to play a whole lot, which was surprising when the Clippers have a lot of big wings that they throw at you. But he looked kind of out of sorts. But part of that might be, I think his role kind of shifted tonight in this one. And so that was a little bit strange. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Mook Morris. Passing the Clippers in the standings might not be possible anymore. Yeah, you lose the tie. You don't have the tiebreaker now with them, for sure. We lost three times to them already. They've got insane depth. And when Kawhi and PG come back, they're already better than the Lakers. Oh, look. Look, I don't... Far be it from me to congratulate the Clippers. It, it, it feels pretty gross. But let's face it. They've done a tremendous job building that team. When Norman Powell, Kawhi, and Paul George are healthy they might be the favorites to come out of the West. They they could be that good. If they continue playing with this energy, this intensity, and you can get Kawhi and Paul George healthy and get Norman Powell in, and they got, they got gifted Norman Powell and Robert Covington, the Blazers just said, here you go. You can have these guys. Um, with all those pieces, they could wind up being the best team in the West next season. That wouldn't be a surprise to me. They've done a tremendous job getting the most out of the talent that they've got. And the Lakers, for the most part, I think have done the opposite. They, they've actually gotten, they are, we talk about teams that are greater than the sum of their parts. The Clippers are definitely that team. They are one of those teams anyway in the NBA that is greater than the sum of their parts. They've got more, they get more out of their players than the talent level of their players would suggest. And I'm not saying their players aren't talented, but they get it done without stars because they find ways to make things click. The Lakers go the other way. They take the talent that they've got and they have some, some really good top end talent 
and whether it's there's a number of factors, but they get less production out of it. At least that's what we've seen this season. See why not said we need to do something this summer. If we have problems with the Clippers now, just look at their sideline. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The Lakers, the Lakers absolutely need to do things this summer. And they know that they know that they are very much prepared to do that. They're going to do something like they're going to make some moves this summer. We'll see if they're good moves or not, but they understand that they can't bring back this team next year. That's for sure. Uh, Ivan Z said, hi, Trevor, you often spoke about the 2023 offseason and our cap space. Uh, what we have a little room because of how far above the salary cap we are. Uh, 2023. Yeah. If let's say that LeBron, for whatever reason, decides that he's going to he's going to leave next summer. The Lakers will have 80 plus million in cap space. They'll have Anthony Davis under contract. They'll have a player option for Taylor Horton Tucker. That's it. Those are the only contracts on the books. Now that might change this summer. They might sign contracts that go into that next summer. They also might make moves at the trade deadline that goes into the next summer. But as of right now, they've got a ton of cap room lined up for 2023. Again, with only two players under contract. So that might matter. That that if if LeBron says this is it, I'm done. Okay. The Lakers will have cap room to go play with. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to sign all the best players. That doesn't mean everybody's going to flock to the Lakers. But cap room means flexibility, and it means that you can do some things with it. Um, we've seen them do bad things with it. We've seen them sign Luol Deng and Timofey Mozgov. By the way, Luol Deng's contract finally comes off the books July 1st. Um, you can also do some really good things with cap space. So it'll buy them some flexibility in 2023. Whatever things look like, Next year, most likely it's going to be another one-year situation. And then 2023, the Lakers can reset and go from there. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Uh, Drake Johnson, what did people expect Vogel to do with this roster? Did Vogel cause Mello to shoot that shot? Did Vogel cause LeBron to play sloppy this game? No. Look, again, I don't think Vogel is blameless. I don't think Vogel is all to blame. I think, and I've said this all season, if you are placing the blame on any one thing, if you're pointing at one thing and saying this gets the blame, that's not correct. That's not an accurate look at what's gone on with this team. It's been a lot of things. A lot of things have created the season that we've seen from the Los Angeles Lakers. Jarrett said the last 25 seconds shouldn't last for 25 minutes. Okay, let's get into that. And by the way, we'll do it maybe a little bit early. 
the master lock of the night. The master lock of the night for this one goes to the referees. And I'm not saying it's the referees because they caused the Lakers to lose. There were some questionable calls. No quite, no, no doubt. But that I don't think was the reason why the Lakers lost the game. However, however, all the reviews taking so long to finish the game. Yeah, that's rough. 13 minutes of review in crunch time in the final, what was it, 25 seconds of the game or less? It took them 13 minutes to get through four seconds of actual game time because it was one review after another. And those reviews took so long for them to figure out. The NBA has got to do something about that. So for next season, I have long said, you got to get rid of the take foul. You have to get rid of that. You have to legislate that out. So you don't have guys just reaching out and grabbing somebody when they're on a fast break. What you don't want to do if you're the NBA from the league perspective, you don't want to take the most exciting play in basketball, which is a fast break and turn it into, into one of the least exciting plays in basketball, which is sideline out of bounds. That's what's happening with these take fouls. Get rid of that. Figure out a way. This is number two on my list though. Figure out a way to fix this review system. It can't take that long. There needs to be a shot clock or something like that on the review, on the review system. If you can't figure it out by that point, then the call stands. That's got to be the way that you that you do this. You have to keep the game moving. The entire momentum of that game was killed. The flow, everything was killed because they spent so long reviewing that game. And so that is my master lock of the night. It's the officials and it's that review system and how long it took. That was ridiculous. I know that isn't always the case in the NBA. A lot of times reviews are much quicker, but that shouldn't be possible. Even if that situation is not the norm, you still need to do something to prevent that from happening. And again, I think you just need to have a shot clock essentially or a review clock that gives you a minute, maybe it's two minutes, something, something like that. Come up with a number and make that the limit. And if you can't obviously and clearly overturn the call within that time period, then whatever the call on the floor was stands and we move on and we move on because you can't have scenarios like that. You can't take the most exciting moments of the game and grind it to a halt for 13 minutes where you're sitting there watching commercials and no action. Can't have that happening. NBA's got to fix that. Austin Reeves gaining minutes. Carson Parker said Austin Reeves gaining minutes should not be at Monk's expense. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Yeah. And look, I'm all for, I've talked about it. I'm all for Austin Reeves getting minutes. I think Austin Reeves is a guy that you want to give minutes to. Uh, here, always winning said, build this team around Reeves. I think you want to give as many minutes as he, as he can handle to Austin Reeves. And I don't know what that number is. I don't know if it's 30 minutes. I don't know if it's 35 minutes, whatever it is, whatever the max number of minutes you're going to give to Austin Reeves is give that to him. But Malik Monk should not be a guy that loses minutes. I think he also needs to be on the floor for as much as possible. And I actually think the two of them can complement each other pretty well on the basketball floor. So I agree with you. I don't think Monk's minutes should be cut because of Austin Reeves being on the floor. And I can't say for sure that's what happened tonight. But look, I mean, Avery Bradley's out. Avery Bradley's out still dealing with a knee injury. Why Malik Monk should be getting more of these minutes out there on the floor. Should be getting still a healthy dose of minutes. And looking, who are you going to pull minutes from? THT had it going. It's tough. It's tough. But again... Point still stands. You've got to find more minutes for Malik Monk.
Benjamin with an interesting question said, how many games does AD have to miss before you agree he needs to be traded? All of them. I mean, the remainder of the season. If he's out the remainder of the season, I still don't think that it's time to trade because here's the thing. If you look at, this is the problem that we see a lot. And it's not just with AD, it's with a lot of Lakers players. I get this comment all the time. This guy is terrible. Trade him. Why are you going to get anything for him? This guy is awful. Trade him. Why would you, why would you want that? Why would you want that? It's like, it's like you go to a restaurant with somebody and they say, oh, something's wrong with this. It's awful. Try it. Why would I want to try that? Why would anyone else want that? That's what the situation is with these Lakers players. And when we say, oh, they're, they're bad, get somebody else to take them, trade them. Why would anyone else give you something good if they're so bad? So if you're trading AD and you're saying he's injury prone, trade him. Are you going to get full value? No. Do you want to trade low right now on Anthony Davis? If he's got this, this injury prone label No. And if you make the decision, okay, we need to move AD. Don't you wait until he comes back and he's healthy and he can show that for a few games and then you make a move. Trading a guy while he's injured is just selling low in terms of value. You're certainly not going to get enough for Anthony Davis. If you're trying to move him say this summer, let's say he doesn't play again for the rest of the season. You try to sell him this summer, trade him to another team. You're not going to get the kind of value that you want because the last thing team saw was him being hurt. So I think that what would happen if the Lakers went and they traded Anthony Davis in that scenario where he misses enough games to where you say, that's it, put him on the trade block. You're not going to be happy with the return because teams aren't going to be willing to offer as much. That's the challenge. And I know that tends to be the, the knee jerk reaction. Anger trade, guys. This guy's terrible. Get rid of him. Doesn't really work that way, though, because you have to have a buyer. You have to have somebody who wants that player on that contract, given their current level of production. Mark Darnell, is there any reason to save the 2027 first round pick to make any moves this summer? Yeah, Mark, absolutely. See, what happens is in terms of not in terms of not trading the 2027 first at this year's trade deadline. And we don't know exactly what was out there. We don't know what was out there. I've said, look, if, if that Christian Wood deal was out there, if it was Russ and THT for Christian Wood, John Wall, and you got to throw in the first, I'd be pretty tempted to do that. But I'm a big fan of Christian Wood. If that wasn't really on the table, though, if that wasn't out there, which we haven't heard specifically that it was, it's possible that you just say, well, there's nothing that's going to put us over the top that's on the table right now. And so instead, we save it for the summer. Why save it for the summer? Because then you can take your 2027 first, and you get another first that you didn't have access to before. Your 2029 first, because you can only trade so far out. By the time the calendar flips over, okay, now you get your 2029 first as well. So now you can package up two first-round picks, plus, say, Westbrook's contract or THT or whatever it is that you want to add to it. Right now, at the trade deadline, the Lakers had one. One first-round pick, that 2027 first. So you can plus up your offer a little bit if you wait until the summer and you hang on to that first, because you can add another one to it and then maybe get something bigger done. So that's the reason why you, why you save it to try to make a move in the summer. A few more. We'll do a few more. I know it's been a rough night. It's been a rough night. 
I've seen a lot of the comments. It's been rough. Somebody said, what are the updates on Nunn and AD? So we talked to Frank Vogel about that yesterday. And Vogel gave the update that Anthony Davis was walking around the practice facility, no crutches, but walking really gingerly. Woj in his report today mentioned that the Lakers are looking at another four or five weeks for Anthony Davis. So that's from today. It's already been a little over a week since the Lakers, since it's got out four to six weeks for Anthony Davis. So obviously four weeks from the initial injury, that's not happening. Best case scenario is five weeks from the initial injury, which means we're probably talking about all of March without Anthony Davis. We're probably looking at AD coming back with like best case, five games on the schedule left, something like that. Kendrick Nunn, Frank Vogel told us that Nunn is back out on the practice floor. They're ramping him up again. But last time they ramped him up, his knee pain ramped up as well in unison with that. And so they had to shut him down again um, or ramp it back down. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here. It's looking like a lost season for Kendrick Nunn, still dealing with that bone bruise. I'm hoping that he can get back out there, but the Lakers have said it won't be until the end of March at the earliest, which means we're talking about a handful of games left in the season again. Does he realistically get out there? I don't know. Tamal Paul, AD is becoming the next Sean Kemp. Two years back, he was a top five player in the league. Today, he's hardly even a top five big man. We have to trade him this offseason before his nose value nosedives further. So if you really think that this is it for Anthony Davis, he is done. This is it. He, it's over. He's done. He is no longer a superstar level player, but he still has the perception of a superstar level player where maybe you can get some kind of return. Okay, that's maybe the scenario. I don't personally believe that. I still think he's an extremely talented player, and I think that he's a guy who can be, indeed, one of the best players in the NBA. But if that is the mindset, if the Lakers cross that threshold, yes, that's where you start to look for trades. But again, we've talked about it. We've talked about it. And somebody said AD is not done. Again, I agree. I, agree. I agree. I don't think he's done. But if you get to that point with Anthony Davis, then you could start looking at, at trade options and seeing what you can find. That's what that's where you would have to be in order to really deal him. But remember, it's not just, do we want to trade Anthony Davis? It's the relationship that's built in with Clutch Sports. That's, you know, the agency for a lot of your players. That makes it difficult. It's not like you're going to go just put AD on the trade block, quietly shop him, and then one day call him in and say, hey, AD, guess what? We traded you. See you later. That's not the way it's going to go down with clutch sports and everything going on with the Lakers. So that has to be factored into the relationship with Anthony Davis. If AD says, I would like to be traded, or if the Lakers come to him and say, hey, look, we've got this opportunity. Is this something you're open to? That's one thing. But the Lakers going out there and trying to start a bidding war for Anthony Davis, and then surprise AD, you got traded. That's probably not the path you're going to go down, which I don't know if you're going to get the best return going that former route. Artie Sanity said, Lakers need a new system. LeBron's system is over. I mean, I think, again, you've got to surround LeBron with the right players. I don't think those players right now are on this roster. Kai's Adventures, challenge successful for Clips was BS. The D, the whistle was blown after Covington bounced the ball on the, on the baseline. Why review LeBron's play before that? I've seen some people saying that because it technically was part of the play, that it wasn't a separate play, that LeBron being in or out of bounds was 100% reviewable. I've had other people say, as LeBron said during the game, that it shouldn't have been reviewable, that the play in question was Covington and whether or not he was in bounds. It'll be interesting to see what the NBA says about it. 
Um, I could see it either way, but the argument was that LeBron was part of the play, and so that's why it was therefore reviewable. Somebody said, oh, oh, in all caps, so we know they're serious. Oh, Trevor, stop it. Braun chose these players. Just stop it. Hey, agreed. Hey, I'm not saying I'm not saying that LeBron was given these players that don't fit around him. LeBron had a hand in this. I never said that LeBron did not help choose the players that are on this team. He 100% did. And that's what came out of the Woj report today, was that Rich Paul meeting with Jeannie Buss, meeting with Rob Palenka, was not just about saying, okay, everything's okay, everything's good. We're not upset with you guys. We're not looking for Rob Palenka to be ousted or anything like that. It was also, and this is key, it was also to come to the conclusion or to come to the agreement that nobody's blameless, that they all played a role in creating the team that we see right now. LeBron, Rich Paul, Jeannie, Rob Palenka, the front office, all, they all played a role, Anthony Davis, in creating this team. And so that's important. So I'm not saying, LeBron himself isn't even saying that these are, these are just guys who don't fit because he didn't pick them. No, he played a, a role in this, a big role in picking the players that are on this team. And it doesn't work. And it doesn't work. All right, guys. Rough night. Rough night for sure. Dwight Howard was a bright spot. The Austin Reeves block on Reggie uh, Reggie Jackson was a bright spot. We had a lot of lowlights. We saw Taylor Horton Tucker come to life. 16 points, two steals, uh, six for nine shooting, two of two from deep. Want to keep getting nights like that out of THT, whether it's to trade him in the offseason or keep him. You want to see him, him continue to rise, him continue to improve. He's been getting better lately. Hopefully that's something that will continue. But overall, for the Lakers, for Lakers Nation, for Lakers fans, oh, this was a tough one. I appreciate, oh my goodness, someone actually said Trevor's not a Lakers fan. He's a LeBron fanboy. Oh my goodness, you do not know my history. My, my, I've told some of you this before, if you've been watching this long enough. My first memory, if I go back as far as possible, is of watching the Lakers. I grew up a Magic Johnson fan. I grew up on the Lakers. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of LeBron until he came to the Lakers because he was always playing against the Lakers. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm a fan of whoever it is is going to help the Lakers. That's what I care about, is the team. I'm not a fan of individual players, per se. I'm a fan of the guys who are going to come in and help the team out. So... That's just not accurate. It's not my background. It's not the thing. That, it's not the lens that I view this team through. This team has been uh, part of my life for my entire life. So, yeah, from long before LeBron and long after LeBron. All right, everybody. I appreciate you guys joining me. This has been certainly a difficult experience. This was one of the more difficult losses of the season. Hopefully you were able to vent a little bit. I got to vent a little bit too. Hopefully we feel a little bit better after this one. But again, at least we got through it together. Appreciate it. Please make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. Don't forget to follow the, the podcast version also over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.